All right, everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. Going to continue today uh, with actually a corporate introduction to a company never before featured here on the podcast. Uh, I've always been just kind of in, you know, really intrigued with exploration in the state of Oregon, gold exploration, and that Muller County certainly appears to be well endowed with gold. And there's a couple stories out there, and this is a new one that's kind of hit the tape here recently, at least on my desk. That's Providence Gold. They trade on the CSE with the symbol PAU, and also on the OTCQB with PVG. DF. I'm welcomed in by both Robert Clark, president of the company, and Mr. Stephen Craig, who's acting as project manager for Providence Gold and their assets. So, gentlemen, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us on, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, so let's, I guess, Steve, let's talk with you because it sounds like uh, the way Rob described it to me is you are the geological mastermind. Uh, behind uh, these projects, specifically that uh, El Dorado project. Uh, give us a little bit of history here of El Dorado, where it's located, prior exploration work done on it, and, and up to this point, where it's heading. Uh, yes. Um, El Dorado is located in Malheur County, Oregon, which is in eastern Oregon. And this part of the state is pro-mining development. Uh, they desperately need some alternate income other than agriculture. Um, the property was first explored in nineteen in the ni- early nineteen eighties, and uh, 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 there has been a total of five companies that that have explored the property uh, all the way up till nineteen ninety seven. Since nineteen ninety seven, it's sat idle which to me is absolutely amazing. Um, uh, That's such a good property uh, would sit that long. Um, One of the things that that I've done is that I've got 50 years of exploration experience, most of that in Nevada. I basically know everybody. I've been down every dirt road. Uh, You know, I've been all over Oregon, been all over Idaho, been around the world, you know, done it all. But I decided to settle right down here in uh, in uh, the western U.S. Uh, now, now, because I've been so active in the exploration business so long, I've got a good friend named Jerry Boffman who runs a royalty company. And what he does is he goes out and stakes properties. And if he likes one, he actually brings it to me first. So that's how we got a hold of White Rock, uh, uh, that he knew that I had drilled it when I was with Kennecott running that program. And uh, so he brought it to me because I already was familiar with it. And I immediately took it up for provenance. Now, the next thing he did, probably a year and a half later, uh, he brought a property called Racy, uh, which was the name of the property owner located in Oregon. We've since renamed it El Dorado because there's a hundred mile hand dug ditch to bring water for the big placer mine that was centered right over the the uh, low deposit of, of the El Dorado project. So when he brought that to me, he showed me one piece of paper and I said, my gosh, look at those assays. I'll take it right now. So after some finagling and uh, beating out of several majors, uh, we uh, we got our hands on it because 
Jerry knows my exploration approach, and uh, uh, he thought that uh, it fits my style of exploration very well, which it does. So uh, we got the pro- Steve. What is, Steve? What is your what is your approach? Sorry to interrupt, but since you mentioned it, what is your approach? Uh, well, when I ran the Canicut office, I I did a lot of fast exploration, get the permits, drill the holes, find out if there's anything there. If there is, then you stay. You just uh, if not, then you leave. So uh, with this project, it took a year to get a permit from Oregon month and a half from the BLM office. Both offices have jurisdiction, which is odd. But once I got that permit, we were ready to put a drill rig on the property and start drilling. Uh, One of the approach that I wanted to use, since there's 240 drill holes on the property, I've got to validate some of these so I can use the database to come up with a new resource model. So uh, we immediately jumped into probably the best part of the project and uh, uh, right in what's called the racy pit area, and uh, uh, started an RC drilling program. Uh, I like RC because I'm only interested in assays. If I was interested in geology and ore controls, then I'd drill core. But right now, we wanted to find out as quick as we could, what does this property offer us? Well, obviously, we've got a huge drill hole database, and some of those drill holes are astounding in terms of how much gold is there is. Also notable is that a lot of the early shallow holes down to uh, 300 feet or 100 meters or so, 90 meters, uh, bottomed the mineralization. Now, when we constructed cross sections, we discovered that mineralization can go down another 300 feet below bottom of a 300-foot drill hole. So that excited us. And uh, so anyway, I designed... a. Uh, probably a 15-hole drilling program to do twinning and and a couple of out uh, step-out holes just to check some some con- concepts that I've got. So that first the first three holes were in, were in the heart of the high grade, and they were spectacular. Um, um, uh, we were getting uh, uh, 500 feet of continuous mineralization. And then losing the hole in, in the high water content area. And uh, uh, that hole always bottomed in, in good, strong one, two, three gram mineralization. So it continued on down. Uh, in the same area in our cross sections, we essentially have a pipe like feeder body that goes down to a thousand feet below the surface. And our next drill hole is going to be centered right on that. I doubt if I can get the hole past four or five or 600 feet because of the water. But this thing continues on down uh, based on some older angle holes that, that a major put in and uh, in, in uh, the uh, mid-1990s. So anyway, so I've started this, uh, this process of twinning. And one of the things, I've been successful in getting these holes twinned. And in general, the old holes that have assays, good assays, match ours. So that means that I can start considering bringing the entire database into compliance with a technical report that would be done uh, uh, because we're the company is a Canadian company. So um, um, so anyway, uh, as we're drilling, a lot of these holes are, are short holes. So I wanted to go deeper. And 
my gosh, you know what happened? We hit lots of mineralization beneath the uh, uh, the older holes where they ended. And by mineralization, I'm meaning that the gold is tied up in pyrite and it, it's in the multi-gram, uh, twice as much as the near-surface low-grade oxide. So uh, I, I was just astounded. And uh, uh, we kept move, moving the drill rig. We're up to hole number 11. And uh, what I've done is that I've been a little creative. Uh, rather than uh, twinning some vertical holes, I decided to drill across them. The vertical holes were designed originally by the old timers, uh, the earlier operators, to, uh, to, to penetrate a narrow zone. Well, I recognize that it's very possible that this is pervasive mineralization. So we started drilling angle holes across vertical holes, sort of as a twin. Mm -hmm. And I'm still waiting on some assays. But when you receive assays back associated with pyrite that averages maybe 4 or 5% in the rock, uh, I've got some drill holes now that are outstanding in the lab um, that has got anywhere from 5 to 10% pyrite disseminated. And the pyrite is very fine. It's like 0.1 millimeters or less. And uh, there's some larger pieces of it, but this pyrite is very odd. It's odd color. It's got crinkles in it, you know, so that means that the lattice could have uh, uh, other elements in it. And uh, so anyway, I, I've just been astounded at what I've been finding out there. I don't think I've ever drilled yeah. such high-grade holes in my life over such huge thicknesses. And and the, the project uh, back in, uh, oh, about 1997, an engineering company named uh, Pincock, Allen & Holt, based in Lakewood, Colorado, uh, basically started doing resource modeling with some of these new fancy computers that were coming along at that time <laughs> in the exploration mining business and, and business overall. So anyway, they, uh, they did a resource model back then, looking at different cutoff grades, uh, uh, you know, looking at open pit dynamics and things like this. And one of their first resource numbers produced about 900,000 ounces at about a 0 0.02 or 0.7 gram grade, uh, uh, hmm. you know, right off the bat. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got a lot of drill holes out here. Half of them don't go to depth. I know Pincock, Allen, and Holt were very conservative because I had to fight with them on other projects back in that period of time, you know, to get the resource numbers up. Uh, but they didn't budge. So anyway, we've got this very conservative resource modeling company that's starting out on new technology, and they produced 900,000 ounces. And, and you know, with that and the shallow drill holes, I could easily see that the, the total uh, mineralized body could increase significantly uh, just, just from drilling in the same footprint that the, the previous operators had drilled. So, um, yeah, yeah. so uh, right now I'm, I'm waiting on assays for uh, uh, one, two, three, three holes, which I expect two of them to be huge, huge numbers and uh, with good thicknesses of 400, 500 feet, um, you know, just, just based on the geology. 
and uh, the geology is fairly simple, so I can I can say that. Um, so uh, our the hole that we're going to be well, I've already talked about the hole that we're going to be drilling next. So that's going to be another big boomer. I, I know it's going to be good. So um, uh, well, Steve, let's talk about let's talk about the data, uh, the historical data that you had mentioned that was used in a uh, previous model compared to what you have been drilling recently, because you have put out new drill results, new assay results out of El Dorado, and they're nowhere even close to what that cutoff grade historically was from previous engineering firm. In fact, you recognize just a, a, a dang, I think it was last week, 32 meters containing four grams per ton gold, and that was within 137 meters of just over one and a half grams per ton. Uh, back early July, you had other assay results out 23 meters of four and a half grams per ton gold. And so obviously, you know, there's a, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you have to try real hard to figure out there's some big discrepancies between the historical data and what you are actually seeing on the ground currently. Uh, you know, so I guess at what point, how big is this drilling program right now? Uh, how far do you take this drilling program until you decide, you know, we can use what we have to update this historical resource because these new holes, these twinned holes are in compliance? Well, I, uh, that's a good question. Uh, my objective was to get as much information as I can to do a resource model by the end of the year. Uh, part of this validation process, I've had geologists go out and look through the cement collars for every single drill hole out there. Hmm. We've got about 80% um, uh, of them found and, uh, and recorded with new GPS readings. So that's part of my validation. Uh, the other big gorilla in the corner is, of course, assay validation. So that's why I'm trying to twin everything. And I've been uh, uh, satisfied with some of the twins we've done, uh, but there's some odd ones. I just finished the hole and just got the assays from it. And the old hole uh, reported uh, about 325 feet or 100 meters of uh, uh, 1.2 grams, which is 0.04 ounces per ton over the entire length. Well, I just drilled a twin hole of that particular hole, and it, the overall grade, the average rate of the overall interval, doubled. So I've got to analyze that and uh, see what, what's what's going on. But I, I see that there seems to be a tendency that our drilling is higher. Now, why is that? Well, way back when all these these guys were doing exploration, uh, they didn't have, uh, uh, let's say, the modern drilling bits that we have today. Uh, so there was a lot of contamination and dilution of the sample when it came up the pipe. Uh, uh, you know, today we have a face. We we have a drill bit that has a face that collects sample right at the drilling face. And it comes up clean inside the inner tube of the of the RC drill hole, and uh, uh, so so anyway, we're getting good samples. My QAQC is verifying that. Uh, I do have a nuggeting effect, which I have to go back in and do metallic sieve analyses, and I'm planning on doing a metallurgical study uh, on that later on. 
But the other big gorilla in the corner were the assay labs. Some of the early uh, assaying that was done, the cutoff was 0.1 ounces or 330 or 0.33 uh, 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 grams per ton. So it was pretty high. So as I'm going to evaluate the database, I'm going to throw out uh, probably 40 to 60 holes that shouldn't be in the database because of flaws in the way they assayed or anything else that I can identify. Uh, one of the problems that I have is that I did inherit a full drill hole database that the previous major companies had built. But in terms of the backup material, the certificates, we don't have them. We have a very few, but that's why I need to have a much stronger uh, twinning program. Uh, sure. This program is, is ending here shortly, um, but I need probably another 20 to 25 twin holes, which I've already started to establish their locations where I want to drill, and I'll go get an amended permit from the BLM and from the state of Oregon okay. so that we can drill again okay. and continue. Because this, this, this property, the mineralization is wide open. There's hot spots all over it. There's also dead spots. And, you know, I know where those are because I've already done, you know, an analysis of all the top feet, top five feet of every drill hole as, as, as if they were rock samples. And so I've contoured an area that shows where all the mineralization is going to be in the subsurface, or at least from the surface uh, mineralization. Uh, but again, what I'm finding is that there's another zone down there that seems to carry much higher grades. So uh, interesting. You know, right. To me, this property is extremely exciting. I've never had one like this before. <laughs> and I have drilled a lot of properties in my career and made multiple discoveries in various places. And, uh, um, you know, so, uh, so I seem to know what I'm doing. And, uh, so, uh, so this thing is an exciting property to me. Yeah. Uh, let's Rob, uh, let's hand it over to you. Cause I do think it's important that we get a little bit of background into the company Providence gold. Um, you know, it's, it's been around for about, I guess you could say about five years now. Uh, but this is, uh, I would probably say as far as early exploration, I mean, you've seen some really good successes here in Oregon. It's early, uh, but you, you know, you've, you've got a lot to work on. Obviously Steve is very excited and very positive about the project. You know, give us a sense of kind of the background of the company and this move into Oregon and, and the direction it's going. Yeah, I mean, actually, originally, um, we, we, um, we came uh, public in 2017 and um, we uh, originally um, we originally had a property in uh, the Yukon and uh, it, it was an interesting property it had a had a uh, currently still running plates or operation up there and and uh, we had uh, identified some great areas to, to drill but shortly thereafter we we also identified how expensive it would be to to drill the area um, and uh, to explore in, in that region, so we looked at um, we we uh, Rano Pertu, who is our CEO of Providence, and Steve Craig uh, looked at a number of possibilities 
down in Nevada, and we're very familiar with those um, uh, properties. Um, had done a lot of work in the region. Steve can speak more to it, but we, as a company, identified that we we needed to focus um, our attention on other areas that were easily reachable, um, cost less for exploration, and showed, um, you know, um, very high upside potential. So our, our initial project was the Silver Bow that we, we acquired um, in Nevada. Um, mm-hmm. we, we still have that property, have done some ex- exploration on that property. Um, however, um, these opportunities um, on the White Rock and the El Dorado came to us through Steve's connections, and they were just, you know, too good to refuse. So uh, we initially did a great drill program on the White Rock, hit mineralization in every hole on the White Rock. We're, it's an incredibly technical, fantastic widespread property that Steve can speak to in more, more detail. Um, we were, uh, we've got the option through Grow, um, Jerry Boffman's uh, company that Steve uh, mentioned earlier. They were extremely happy with our drill program and what we found on the White Rock, and that was um, a, a key component of us being able to secure the El Dorado property for, from them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it mo- has morphed over the the last several years, but you know we've we've tried really hard to be sort of uh, different than every other company. We've we've really tried to lay the foundation uh, first, come with uh, excellent properties, prove those up, you know, discover this this mineralization, and 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 then kind of spread our wings and tell the story. So you know we we've been. We've run a really fiscally tight ship. We've we've done everything we can to bring excellent, excellent properties into this company, and are are extremely mindful of bringing quality first, um, and then and then um, you know and then spreading our story. and And now is is an unbelievable time to to share our story, and uh, we really believe that um, you know it it. it it'll uh, resonate with with um, mm-hmm. your audience and, and other audiences in the uh, mineral exploration field. Okay, very good. And I guess uh, the my follow-up and probably last conversation is for both of you, Rob and, and Stephen. Uh, I want to ask you about working in Oregon. Obviously, uh, I've been following the Oregon story, uh, just watching the very long process of permitting with uh, Paramount Gold and that project there, Grassy Mountain, uh, that's been in the permitting phase for, holy cow, I feel like five years or more <laughs> anymore. Uh, but it hasn't, you know, I, I think the argument can still be stated that, uh, you know, Oregon still is open for business in that part of the state, although it is pretty, the process seems very long and drawn out. I guess, how do you kind of answer those that uh, those challenges and criticisms here with potential investors and in, about working in Oregon? You know, Trevor, let me take that question. Okay. Uh, that was one of my big concerns before we acquired El Dorado. So I made some calls to the Grassy Mountain people. And yes, they have been delayed by the state agencies. But a lot of that delay is that those guys are scared to death to have a mine in, in Oregon. 
Uh, and uh, the Grassy Mountain people spent a lot of money educating the regulators up there and uh, uh, brought them down to Nevada, showed them the uh, Nevada Department of Environmental Protection, which is which is great to work with. I've done a lot of work with those guys over the years. Um, uh, but, but anyway, uh, I saw this as a potential long-term evolution of the political environment of Oregon. Uh, what I found this last year is that the entire, well, literally 80% of Oregon is in revolt against the uh, liberal government uh, running the running the uh, the affairs of the state, and a big part of that is coming from Malheur County. Mm-hmm. Those guys, it's the poorest county in in Oregon, and these guys are desperate to get some new development, so they're pushing hard. Uh, they've got some uh, some individuals who are in the legislature and Senate of the Oregon uh, uh, government, so they're making uh, uh, they're shaking things up quite a bit. Uh, one of the things that happened during my permitting f- for drilling this with uh, the Dog Ami, which is the Department of Oregon uh, Minerals and and so forth, uh, big long name, uh, is that they were slow walking everything. Well, apparently what happened just about the time or just before the time my permit was approved uh, after a year, they got they got slammed pretty hard where the uh, uh, one center was going to withhold funding for the entire department. So they moved on a lot of permits that they were sitting on and uh, ours was one of them. So so I think I see things changing and especially when you're looking at the national political landscape, uh, things are moving in, in the right direction. And I see Oregon moving in that direction too. Uh, so uh, it'll take time, but it, it's probably, it's, it is going to happen. But in the meantime, properties like Grassy Mountain, uh, our Providence El Dorado property, and several other exploration properties that are being actively explored right now in Eastern Oregon uh, is going to change the whole landscape of mining in, in uh, Oregon. Uh, I like Oregon because a lot of the mining companies pulled out of Oregon like 20 years ago. That's mm-hmm. probably why El Dorado just sat there for 25 years, is, uh, is that they didn't want to deal with the political landscape because it's so much easier to find and develop mines in Nevada. But the terrain that these properties are located in is literally spectacular. I swear I'm sitting on the edge of the Carlin pit in 1960, wondering where do I go from here? Because there's so much land available and there's mineralization everywhere. And that's what's happening in eastern Oregon. Uh, it's been classically a placer mining region. And those placers are coming off intrusive hosted gold systems like what we have at El Dorado. Uh-huh. So uh, overall, uh, Oregon is a problem, but I don't think it is. I mean, otherwise, I would not have recommended this property to Providence to move forward. Okay. And considering that our CEO, Ronald Pertu, is an Oregonian, he has some connections also. So, um, nice. so, so I, I, fi- I found the entire dynamics to be favorable for us to enter into this property. Wow. 
All right, uh, Rob, Stephen, thanks so much for this introduction. There's a lot to it, but uh, we're going to be following real close attention. Uh, anybody who has any follow-up questions, uh, Rob, how is the best way to contact the company? Uh, you can contact me at rclark at providencegold.com. And uh, if I can't answer, I'll forward to Steve or, or Rano or, or one of our other team members. And uh, we're always uh, quick on our responses. So uh, appreciate any and all feedback. All right. uh, Rob, Steve, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you spending, it, some, of, spending some of your time with us today. Mm, our pleasure. Thank you so much, Trevor. Yep, that's uh, your introduction, everybody, to Provenance Gold. Again, trading on the CSE with the symbol PAU and on the OTCQB with PVGDF. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.